Let's pray. Beverly, pray for us. Amen. What comes into your mind when you think about Easter, Princess? Jesus. What about Jesus comes into your mind? What? How he died on the cross for our sins. How he died on the cross for our sins. What comes into your mind when you think about Easter, Beverly? Uh, it doesn't matter. That he died on the cross. So you don't even think about yourself on Easter? Uh, Irina, you had your hand up. What comes into your mind? Pastel. What? Pastel colors. Past? Pastel colors. Pastel colors. What's that? It's like, 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 but how does that relate to Easter? I don't know, I just... When you go around, that's the color you Ah, I see. Jaden, what do you know about Easter? Jesus died on the cross for us. Do you believe it? Yeah. You actually think he died? Yeah. Really? Do you guys actually think Jesus died? What? Technically, yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that today. We'll try and finish briefly. I mean, hopefully it's not too long. But I want you guys to talk. Yes, Irina. Yeah, we'll talk about it today, actually. Today, today we'll be talking about, um, what? What we'll be talking about, Anel? Is it Jesus on trial? Jesus on trial, uh-huh. And then what else? What about that will we talk about today? I told you guys last week, um, last Sunday. Apocalypse. No. That's after. Who remembers? I told you guys last Sunday. What? What we'll talk about today. Jesus on trial. Yeah, but what about that? Princess, you can't put your phone down. Hey. What will you people do when there is no internet? You have to do phone fasting. Well, I did already. Someone called me and it's, yeah, it's so hard in this generation to record. Actually, when you That's why you have to do it. Like, it's not just listening. My mom can't. And, like, my body's on my phone and everything, so I can't even read the Bible. No, just turn, on your, turn off your Wi-Fi. Just cut yourself off of the internet. You can still use your phone. Cut yourself off of the internet for one day. Yeah, that's not Yeah, cut yourself off. Just for one day. Oh man, you people. All right. So, let me have your attention. What have we been talking about for the past what? 2 weeks? Jesus on trial. What did we what have you learned? 
um, Emmanuel. What do you remember that we talked about? Jesus on trial. Let's, let's listen, guys. You have to be loud so we all wake up. All of you start thinking. I can't hear you. Okay, Aaron. Uh-huh. How to explain God to people? Uh-huh. So what specifically did you learn or remember? Talked about Jesus on trial. What's he on trial for? No, I learned for claiming he's the son of God. For claiming he's the son of God. Uh-huh. Okay, at least remember something. Uh, Maxine. What do you remember that we talked about? And John wrote John. And Princess is still on her phone. John Mark. Okay, great. So we learned about the four books. Why is that important? Um, Laurentia. Why is that important to know about the four Gospels? Laurentia. Last week, your answer was, I don't know. Saying something you don't know. Right. Gives us an idea of the biography of Jesus. And then, what did we talk about last week? Who remembers? Yes. Right. 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 Awesome. And if they made a mistake, they had to start all over again. Uh, Vanessa, did you hear what she said? Yeah. Okay. Welcome, Iman. So, today, we'll be looking at Jesus and why or if at all he fits the Messiah um, prophecies. So, way before Jesus was born, there were prophecies. You know what I mean by prophecies? Right, a telling of the future. So, prophets of God had prophesied about who the Messiah is supposed to be. Right? Hundreds and hundreds of years before he came. So, right, what, what, what are we trying to study? We're trying to find out if Jesus is really who he says he is. Or he's just some smart man who's deceived all of us, right? And so we looked at the authenticity of the biography records that talk about him. We challenged those records against the standards that journalists usually use to test textual evidence. Are you with me? 
and you're not falling, falling asleep. Okay, I want to see your eyes with your eyeballs. Okay. So, we looked at that evidence and then we saw that they are credible. You can trust them. And then we said, okay, how has that evidence been passed on down to us? Right? So if they were credible when they wrote them, how has it been passed down to us today? Has it changed? Can we trust what we have today? And we looked at that last week and we said, looking at how everything has been passed down and the, the copies of the manuscripts that are there, the thousands of copies, comparing them to each other, there is no evidence that what we have today has been changed from the original. That's what we talked about last week, right? So effectively what we are saying is the Bible that we have is authentic and reliable. We can trust in what it's saying. Okay, now we want to stretch that a bit further and say, okay, fine, we can trust the records and all of that, but is Jesus the one that fits what the Bible talked about? Okay, so we'll start our discussion today and look at um, <laughs> we'll look at the fingerprint evidence. You know how you go to in, in any criminal investigation, the police look for what? Fingerprints. Your fingerprint, princess, is different from Courtney's fingerprint. Okay, even though you may all have slim thumbs. Do you? I think so. But your fingerprint is different. And Judah, your fingerprint is different from Anel's. It's not the same, even though you are brother and sister it's not the same okay fingerprint is unique to each person and so what we are saying is there is some prophecies about who the messiah should be that is unique to that person does jesus fit those prophecies we're going to look at that and then we'll also look at Fine. Jesus claimed to be God. Does he match the description of God? And then lastly, we'll look at the crucifixion. Did Jesus really die? Because one of the arguments that people give when, as we're celebrating Easter, one of the things that people mention is that, oh, you know what? You say Jesus rose again. Of course, because he didn't really die. He just collapsed or he just fainted, right? And so he just walked away from the cross. All of you people have been deceived. So we're going to look at it critically and analyze it. Has Jesus really deceived us? Did he really die? And if not, um, what really happened? So we'll look at that and then we'll pray. Are you ready? You're not going to sleep? Come on. All right. Laurentia. Yeah. Uh, can you read that one for me? You can't see? Oh, who can see? Uh, Aaron? Uh-huh. 
one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infir infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and his wounds were all, were all, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Michaela, can you continue for me? Uh. He was oppressed and afflicted, and he did, not open his, he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearer, the shearer is silent. <coughs> So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned to the grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence. Nor was he in his seat in his mouth. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressions. Amen. Now, who is this talking about? Beverly. <clears throat> Why do you say so? It doesn't mention Jesus' name. You just took a guess. This was written by the prophet Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus was born. Okay? All of you guys are biased in a way because you know the story about Jesus and you know the life of Jesus. So when you read this, you quickly jump and say, yeah, this is Jesus. Right? But you talk to any Jew who actually reads his Torah or Tanakh. When they read this, if they don't know anything about Jesus, they know this is talking about the Messiah. Right? They know this is talking about the Messiah. And the moment they get to discover anything about the life of Jesus, they are shocked that, wait a minute, this is what Isaiah was talking about. That's, that's how they are surprised. Like they know everything about the prophecies of the Messiah, only that in the Jewish um, culture, they frown upon you having anything to do with Christianity. So, so most of them don't even know anything about Jesus. They don't read. They are, they are sort of, it's painted as evil. Yes. Yes, it is kind of both. It's kind of both because they've sort of created their own laws and stuff about the religion in a way that now it's almost inseparable. So when a Jew gets out of Judaism, his whole family rejects him. Because the whole culture, it's, it's just like Islam, right? Like Islam is, is a religion, but they have their way of doing things. That's culture, right? Culture is... Yes, we are. But the difference with Christianity is that it's not supposed to be. So when people really mature in, in Christ, you can transcend culture. That's why you can put me in a Chinese church and if I'm a matured Christian, I will still be okay. Do you get it? 
even though they do things differently. And that's how come missionaries spread the word. They go into a different culture and they are able to integrate into that culture and still spread the gospel. But Islam, for instance, when they come and they are spreading, you have to change into their system of doing things. Did, uh, did, did I answer? Or it's, it's not really full. Kind of. Yes, Judah. Is Judaism a false religion? Um, I'll be hesitant to say it's a false religion. What I'll say is that the people that are strictly what? Jews? They haven't fully understood what the Judaism is about because Christianity is an extension of Judaism. You can't separate Judaism from Christianity. The old, it's like saying you want to separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. It's not possible. It's all one. The God of the Old Testament is the same God that we worship. And so what Jews fail to realize is that they, they need to get into the truth of what the Old Testament is saying rather than just being satisfied with religion. Right? Discovering who they are worshiping. And any, any, if you've met a Messianic Jew, you know where a Messianic Jew is? That's a Jew who believes in Jesus Christ. If you really meet them and they, they tell you their testimony, they will tell you, for many years I never knew about Jesus. And when I studied the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, and everything about the Messiah, and then I got to discover Jesus, I was shocked. Why are my people so blind? And that's the, that's the way the devil has blinded them. He, he doesn't want them to know anything about Jesus. Yes? Wouldn't that be considered Christianity? Uh, what considered Christianity? Yeah. Judaism be considered Christianity? Is that a question? Like, wouldn't because Christians believe that Jesus came and yes. he was the Messiah, and Jews believe that the Messiah hasn't come yet, yes. and that Jesus was like a prophet? Or yes, something. they actually think he's a false prophet or yeah. something. But like, if they believe that Jesus came and he's the Messiah, that means that he's Christian. So why is it considered Messianic Jew? Oh no, he is a Christian. They just call him Messianic Jew. That's just another name for them. They are Christians. So a Jew who believes in Jesus is a Christian, just like us. We just, they just call them Messianic Jews because it's like they are Jews who say that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It's kind of confusing, but that they are Christians. They are Christians. I think it's just like how we are all in the church. There are still some doctrines that some people believe in that others don't. But yet we are all in the same church. We are all Christians. You know, or, or we all come to church. Like, for example, if we were to debate right now with Pastor Cyril, they probably he probably have a different stance on maybe tongue speaking as compared to somebody who come from a Baptist church. I come from a Baptist, Baptist background, and not all Baptist churches believe in speaking in tongues. But yet, it is the same God and it's the same Holy Spirit that we all believe in, and it's the same Jesus Christ. So you have people in the Jewish community or in the Jewish. Uh, yeah, Jewish community, so to speak, to cover all grounds. Some some don't still still choose not to believe in Jesus because of the way because of their upbringing, which means that culture also plays a part. Yeah. But just like what this guy was saying, as Pastor Cyril just quoted, 
Like I said, I knew about you. I didn't know why our people are so blind. And same thing with us. There are more that we can find out, find out about God that when you come to discover, you would ask yourself, ah, so what have I been doing all this while? Is the same thing. Right. So, so just to add to that, the uh, Messianic Jew, the, real, the Jews who don't believe in Jesus, they don't consider the Messianic Jews as real Jews. They sort of cast them out. Right? It's, it's, it's almost like a, a Muslim who says he's a Christian. Your family just throws you away. All Messianic Jews are not accepted by the real Jews. They said you are a traitor. Why, why are you going to believe in Jesus? Jesus is a false word. Don't believe. Because they are Christians. It's, because that's where... It, it's, it's like me saying, I am a Ghanaian Christian. I am Ghanaian. You can't remove my Ghanaianness from me. They are Jewish. Whatever it is, they are still Jewish. Do, do, do you get what I mean? It's who they are. It's, it's to be distinguished from Judaism, which is the religion of the, the Jews, but they are still Jews. So, for instance, in African culture, quote-unquote, if Christianity never came there, what would have been our religion? The traditional religion, right? So traditional religion would have been my religion as an African. And so if I say I believe in Jesus now, I am still an African, but I'm not a traditional worshiper. So it's the same with a Jew. The Jew who believes in Jesus is a Christian, but he's still a Jew. And so the technical term for Jews who have become Christians is a technical term for them is Messianic Jews. Because the, the distinction between them and the other Jewish people is that these other Jewish people say the Messiah has not come yet. But these ones say, yeah, we believe everything else in Judaism, but we also believe that the Messiah has come and he's Jesus Christ. And that's why they are tagged as Messianic Jews. It's, it's just a name tag. So, Pastor, Got it? I have a question. Yeah. So the people that, the Jews that do not believe in Christ today, do they still get a pass from God? Or because they don't believe, because I know Jesus said that no man can come to the Father except through me. Yep. So if these, you can do all the Jewish stuff and call yourself a Santini, but mm -hmm. if you don't choose, if you choose not to believe in Jesus Christ, are they going to hell? Just to yes, they are going to hell. There's no name given amongst men by which we must be saved. And I'm quoting from the book of Acts. He says, there's no name given amongst men by which we must be saved except the name Jesus. So everyone, whether you are Jew or Gentile, African or whatever, you have to go through Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. Which is why the gospel must be preached to everyone. And when we start to talk about the apocalypse, once we finish this, you will discover God's great plan for the Jews. Most Jews will be saved during the tribulation period. That when they have that revelation, because they will think, the Jews will think that the Antichrist is the Messiah. But the moment the Antichrist betrays them, they will have that revelation that, oh, we have been deceived. Jesus was the Messiah. And so it is during the tribulation period that most Jews will come to faith in Christ and they would have to um, die for it, right? Okay, Judah. So 
Yeah, they're going to hell. There's no, you see, it's not, we don't go to heaven because of what we do. Right? So you can have the Jew who does everything right, does, follows the law, because there's no one who is perfect. You can follow the law, whatever, and break it in just one. The Bible says you've broken the whole law. Because the same God who said, don't kill, was the same one who said, don't lie. Right? So the same one who gave the, that rule. So if you break one of his rules, you've disobeyed him in everything. And that is why it's so important for us to believe in Jesus. And especially when we talk about Easter, it should let you see the, have a full appreciation of what Jesus has done. Because had it not been what Jesus did, like, forget it. There's no way. We can't make it. And that's why every time when it gets to Easter, I, I get very emotional because it's very personal. Very, very personal for me what Jesus has done. It's the only way we can get to God. Yes. So technically, um, if we live for the rapture, you do get, technically get a second chance. Uh, if you miss the rapture. Yeah, like if you miss it, like you technically get a second chance. Aha, we'll talk about it when we get into the apocalypse. But in a, in a nutshell, I would say not so. And not so, not being because um, you won't get, uh, God won't give you a second chance. But not so because you yourself will never come to take the second chance. Do, do you get what I mean? If right now, without any gunshot or sword to your throat... Right, without any pressure. Like last night I had to I had to take my son to the emergency, he was not well. And then I was thinking to myself, Oh my if this was the Antichrist era, you, you can't go to the emergency. How, how are you going to go? You have to have the number to go. You have to have the number to go. You can't take the ambulance. The, the guy came, he's asking for the health card. So if you don't have the, you, you sit there and say, we're waiting for, um, if the rapture happens, then we'll change our mind and whatever. It, it's just not possible. You know, you have to trust. I don't trust myself. You, you get it. And, and I pity people who trust themselves. You, you shouldn't trust yourself thinking that, oh, if I miss the rapture, then I know everything is true. So for sure I am going to, you, you're deceiving yourself. You, you trust yourself too much. That's your problem. You shouldn't trust yourself. Right? You shouldn't trust yourself. Do you think of a mother who is breastfeeding their child and you don't have breast milk, you have to go and buy milk for your baby. Your baby is crying and you can't buy milk for your baby. Will you be able to watch her be able to die and say, I won't go for the number? <laughs> right? So that's why I, it's, not that, it's not that you, it's there, you can change your mind. But the thing is, because of the way we are, it's impossible. If right now, with no pressure, with all the freedom, you can't follow Jesus, what are the chances that you will? That's for the apocalypse. It's really exciting. I, I started studying it, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so excited about it. Sorry? We don't have to do... We don't have to do th today's? Yeah. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. We'll talk about the apocalypse. Oh, so no, I was going to talk. <laughs>
No, you don't even know what is in this, uh, Anel. Okay, I'll make sure. I'll make sure you talk. So, Anel, there are about. So, this is just one of the prophecies of the Messiah. Okay, and why am I showing you this? You see, I want you to see the importance of this book that you have. This is the Bible, right? This thing that you have. Most of us don't value it. You have it on your phones. You treat it anyhow. You don't, you don't know. This is called the holy book for a reason. Right? How is it possible that 700 years before he's born? I mean, you read this. Nobody tells you this is Jesus. You see it immediately. He was oppressed, afflicted. That, that, that. He was cut off. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes you are healed. And all of that. And we just take it for granted that it was Bible stuff. But just think of it, you think of it like a, a book, a study book, a textbook in your school. And you're reading this. And it's talking about somebody. And it's, wait a minute, I know this guy. This thing was written 700 years before he was born. This thing must be serious stuff. It's no joke. Do you get it? And that's what we want to see. What was it? What else about Jesus was written? Did he really fit the Messiah bill? Okay. Why is my thing not working today? Okay. So, Jesus, uh, Judah, can you read this for me? Now, what do you think about this, Irina? Um. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. Why do you say so? No one is ever anxious to get tortured to die. See, that is one of the arguments people give and say, look, Jesus faked. When, when we say, oh, look, this is a prophecy about the Messiah and it's happening in Jesus' life, people, people are like, oh, of course. Jesus studied all those prophecies as a Jewish guy. And he said, look, I'm just going to make sure my life fits these prophecies. And so this is an example they gave. In Zechariah 9.9, the prophet Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah will ride on a donkey into Jerusalem. And so, of course, if Jesus being a Jew has read it and he wants to deceive all of us that he is the Messiah, he will just ask for a donkey. Sorry, I got to check my phone. Is, I just want to make sure it's not from home because my boys are not feeling well. Okay. Sorry about that. It's not from home. So, what was I saying? The donkey. The donkey. So, he could just ask for a donkey to go into Jerusalem. That's easy, right? And of course, all it takes is for you to think about it and then you realize that's bogus. Because what, what, why was he going to Jerusalem for? He was going to Jerusalem to be killed. Who would want to fake, to fit the prophecy of the Messiah so he will be, he will be tortured and killed? Maybe some crazy people will do that. It's true. 
if the end is people will worship you, some crazy people might do that. But let's look at it further. Could Jesus have arranged his life to fulfill these prophecies, the place of his birth? In Micah 5.2, the prophet prophesied that in Bethlehem, Jesus or the Messiah will be born. How many of you decided that you want to be born in um, wherever you were born? Irina? Beverly? I have to be scared of you now. Wow. So where were you born? Brampton. You chose to be born in Brampton. And then you chose to come as a Ghanaian. <laughs> Do we all believe Beverly? She wasn't even born yet. Exactly. So it's not possible for Jesus to have arranged this, right? But he was born in Bethlehem. Now, his family tree. There was a prophecy by Jeremiah that the Messiah will come from the line of David. Right? How? Who decides which family you want to be born in? Who picked your mom and your dad? Say, I want to go into that family. Nobody. Jesus came from the line of David. Now, there was another prophecy that the Messiah would be um, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And Judas Iscariot betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. How could Jesus have arranged with his enemies, who are the, the chief priests, the, the Pharisees, how could he have arranged with his enemies that pay this guy 30 pieces of silver to betray me? Irina, you have your hand up. Um, you know how you said you were from the line of David? Yeah. So, yeah, because uh-huh. Because the prophecy was that he had to come from the line of David. And why? Because God had made a promise to David because of his faithfulness that there will always be someone from your lineage who will sit on the throne forever. It was a promise God made to David. Right? And that promise had its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus because Jesus will be king forever. Do you get it? And so whoever would be Mary or Joseph had to come from the line of David. And Jesus couldn't have, if Jesus was just an ordinary man like all of us, he couldn't have arranged that. Do you get it? Yes, Belinda, you have a question on your mind? Shouldn't he have arranged it before he you know, was born and he was with God? Uh-huh. So then you, you assume that he is God. And that is the whole reason why they killed him. Because he is God. But the people who say, look, Jesus is not God. He's just an ordinary man who tried to fake all of these things. And we're saying, if he was an ordinary man, he couldn't have arranged for where he would be born, who would be his parents, what his lineage will be. Are you following? So, this other last one here, gambling over his clothes. There was a prophecy that the Messiah, when he is killed, the soldiers would cast lots for his clothing. When he was hanging on the cross, Roman soldiers, who know nothing about prophecy, right, who have nothing to do with the Jews, took his garment, split it apart, and were casting lots for his garments. 
How could he have arranged that when the man was dying on the cross? Do you get it? What does this all tell us? It, it, it reveals to us that Jesus Christ is not just an ordinary man. He fits the description of a Messiah. Why am I telling you this? Because, you know, it's so easy for you to go into church mode where you just do church things and Jesus is just like Jesus. There is no that personal connection that, look, this is, this is somebody important. Are you following? I want you to see him for who he really is so that you can worship him as he deserves. Now, okay, so who read this for us, um, Anel? Coincidence. So, so you get what he's saying. saying. Somebody is saying, perhaps, all this might have just been coincidence. That Jesus, um, Jesus probably had good public relations. People who could paint things up for him so that he will look like he fits them. So could it be coincidence? What do you think, um, Jaden? Why? There's no evidence that Jesus knew people like that. He's talking like a lawyer. Okay, good. Well, let's see. This doctor is a science professor, Dr. Peter Stoner, and he worked with 600 students to come up with a mathematical probability of just someone fulfilling eight Old Testament prophecies. So just eight, okay? There are dozens of them, but just eight. If just one person were to fulfill eight, what they came up with that there will be one chance in a hundred million billion. That's a figure with 17 zeros behind it. How many people are in the world? What's the world's population? Seven billion. Seven billion. So you multiply that by however number of times to get the hundred million billion. What it means is Right now, with the whole world's population, which wasn't even the world population at Jesus' time, there is not one chance, even in the whole world's population, that you will find one person who will fulfill eight of the prophecies. Just eight. You would have to multiply this world's population by however many times to get 100 million billion. And once you get that 100 million billion, there is just one chance that you will find one person. In other words, it's just not possible that you will find one person who will fulfill just even eight of the prophecies. It's just not possible. Okay? So that tells us it's not coincidence. Now, let's look at, is it, does Jesus fit the God description. It's only God who can forgive sins. True? Um, if Joshua, you slap Emmanuel, and Emmanuel is offended, and I walk by and I say, Joshua, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Emmanuel, how will you feel? Won't you won't care? 
Oh. He won't care. So you can, we can all be on a slapping. But it doesn't happen. If somebody offends me and another person walks by and says, I forgive you. Who are you to say you for? You weren't the one offended. I am the one offended. I'm the one to forgive, right? So, but Jesus, we see that somebody's sins is sick, comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, I forgive you. It's only God who can forgive sins. Do you get it? Which tells us that Jesus is God. Another thing, it's only God who is morally perfect and holy. Perfectly holy. It's recorded of Jesus by Peter, who was one of his close uh, disciples. He says, no lies ever came out of his mouth in 1 Peter 2.22. And then John also says, can, in G- Jesus himself saying in John, he says, can any one of you prove me guilty? It's a very bold statement to make. To look at people who hate you, who don't like you, and then tell them, can any one of you accuse me of something I've done wrong? No, you, all of you, you like me, right? It's, I hope. <laughs> and so, when I say, can any one of you, when I say, can any one of you prove me guilty, and nobody speaks up, it still doesn't carry any weight, because you, you like me too much to say, oh, you're a bad guy. Right? But when I'm talking to people who don't like me, who would even forge things that I haven't done to accuse me wrongly. And I can still stand in front of them and tell them, how many of you can accuse me of something I've done wrong? That is a bold statement. That, is, that should only come from someone who is really holy, who really knows nobody can accuse him. And that's Jesus. He's perfectly holy. Amen. All right. Let's stand up and stretch stand up stand up and stretch stand up and stretch princess princess why are you positioning yourself just to sleep stand up stand up stand up stretch stretch Beverly I didn't see you standing up okay let's stand up again no no full stand up full stand up Irina. I did. When you're talking to Pentecost. Did you stand up? All right, let's sit down. You stood up or you didn't? All right, let's sit down. Let's sit down. What? A picture. A picture. Okay. So we're going to talk about, did Jesus fake his death? We want to examine if Jesus really died. And this is important. I want you to pay attention, okay? Did Jesus fake his death? What does that inscription say over there? It's not in English. What does it say in English? Does anybody know? Right. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. How is that significant? That tells you really why he was killed. Why was he killed? 
Because what? He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Messiah. And any Jew who knows who the Messiah is knows that the Messiah is God. They know that the Messiah has God features and that is Jesus. And that's why they put that on top of him. Jesus wasn't killed because he did some bad thing. He killed because he claimed to be God. He killed because he fit the, the description of a Messiah and he fit the description of God and the people could not accept it. Yes. How come the chief priests were angry when Pilate made that sign? Right. Because, you see, the sign says Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. They wanted him to change it to what? He said. Right. No, they wanted him to change. They wanted the, the, king, the pilot to change it to say, This man says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. They wanted it to be like, Oh, it's not like he's the king of the Jews. No, he says he is. Do you get it? It's one thing to say that Justin Trudeau is the prime minister of Canada, it's another thing to say Justin Trudeau says he is the prime minister of Canada. Do you get it? If I say I am the Prime Minister of Canada, does it mean anything? <laughs> no. It's who you are. It's not what you say. And so they wanted to say that, yeah, it's not like he is. He's just saying it. And Pilate said, whatever I've written, I've written. I'm not changing it. Okay. Now, let's talk about, did Jesus fake his death? Did he fake his death? Um, who hasn't spoken today? Emmanuel, Emmanuel, can you read it for me? Let's listen, let's listen. This is a story and I need your, your input, so let's listen. Okay, go Emmanuel. Treacherous. Around the Great Lakes at the time of year, they usually take Amtrak. Amtrak. Oh, but almost every trip, it seems nothing weird happens to delay their arrival. Something or, weird happens. Some, oh, something weird happens to delay their travel. Uh, one Christmas, it was a cow zipping along the rural. Uh huh. The passengers suddenly felt a jolt. Then a lurch, and then the train shuddered to a squealing halt. When they looked out the window, the family could see train officials and one very angry farmer rushing to the motionless body of a cow. It seems the cow had been on the tracks, and when the train hit it, the cow was thrown clear to where it now lay, half, half submerged in a snowbank. Apparently, the paperwork involved and a head-on cow collision is significant because the train sat on track for a long time. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Joshua, continue for me. When the farming started to move again, the Chicago family went to the end of the car for one final look at the scene of the accident. The last... The last thing they saw as the train pulled away was the cow staggering to its feet, twitching a few times and plodding right back onto the train.
You don't get it? What? The, the cow you, is not dead, right? We thought it was dead. The cow got up and then just walked away. Now, the question. Anel, read the questions. <laughs> okay, so the point here is you're driving in a train or in a car and it was a train, right? It was a train. Yeah, and it, there's a screeching halt, they stop, they come out, they see a cow lying motionless on the tracks, spend a long time doing the paperwork and da -da -da. come back in, try to take a second look, the cow gets up, twitches, <laughs> and then moves. The question is, did the cow die? Did the train hit the cow? Did the cow die? And if we say yes, the cow died, that will not be reasonable because dead cows don't get up and walk, right? But obviously this cow got up and walked. And people try to use this argument saying, yeah, same, Jesus, Jesus died. Dead people don't get up again. When was the last time you saw a dead person that got up again, right? Sorry? Lazarus. That's in the Bible, they will say. Seeing, you physically seeing. When was the last time you saw a dead person getting back up and walking again? Right? So they use this argument and say, yeah. So dead people don't get up. And so if you claim that Jesus rose up, which on Sunday we're going to celebrate what? Resurrection Sunday. If that's what we claim, their explanation is Jesus didn't really die. Probably he faked his death or he went into some coma or something else. But obviously the other option could also be that the cow really died and something miraculous happened and the cow got up. It's still an option if you believe in miracles. Do you get it? Irina, you have a question? Okay. So let's look at the other option and then let's see if it makes enough sense to even not consider this option. One solution to the problem of a dead person coming back to life is the suggestion that Jesus didn't really die on the cross at all, but that he either fainted from exhaustion or took a drug that made him look dead. Later, he revived in the cool, damp air of the tomb. Okay? He either didn't really die, or fainted from exhaustion, being beaten, so he just fainted, or he took a drug. And they have, they, 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 they prove this from the scriptures. Yes? And, and poked his side. Yeah, but they're saying still he didn't really die. That's, that's still a good point. We'll come to it. Here are the arguments used in favor. Jesus was offered some liquid in a supposedly drugged sponge. Remember when he was on the cross and he said, I thirst? If you're thirsty, what should they give you? Did they give him water? No, they gave him what? 
vinegar or something, something other than water, and people say what they actually gave him was some form of a drug that made him look like he was dead. Yes. Right, so so that the vinegar is is known to have medicinal um, feature that helps people deal with pain. So when he asked for water and they were trying to give him vinegar. That was what they were trying to offer him, and like you said, he didn't take it. So it wasn't something that was to knock him out, even. But let's, let's say that is the case. Let's even go with them. Let's say it was, they dragged him, and just so he will appear dead. We're going to look at the evidence and see if that even makes sense. Yes? Good point. If they dragged him, wouldn't he still be breathing? Right? So that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. So that's how, you, that's how you think about some of these things and just rule them out. The other thing they say is, look, the guy didn't really die. Because when they came to Pilate and told Pilate that Jesus is already dead, Pilate was even surprised. How could he die so quickly? Right? So they're like, yeah, that's proof that he wasn't really dead. They just dragged him and he faked his death. And so the whole thing about the resurrection is fake. What do you have to say about that, Myra? Don't know? They have some good points. They have some good points. <laughs> right. Let's look, at, let's look at what he went through then. Because we want to judge for ourselves walking through what Jesus went through. Are you with me? Walking through what Jesus went through, and we want to make that decision for ourselves whether he died or not. Okay? All these things that people are saying is just assumptions and conjectures. We want to look at what really happened and make that decision for ourselves. So we're going to look at events leading up to the crucifixion, and then we'll look at the crucifixion itself. Okay? I want you to follow me. Events leading up to the crucifixion, and then the crucifixion itself. So let's start with the events leading up to the crucifixion. You remember Jesus was mentioned that he, um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying, Oh, Father, if this is your, not, if, this is, if, if it is your will, let this cup pass over from me. And he was really praying in Luke 24, I believe it's 24. He talks about, he prayed so earnestly that his sweat was like drops of blood that were falling to the ground. Have you seen that scripture in your Bible before? His sweat was like drops of blood. I mean, honestly, I must tell you, until I started studying this thing, I just took that to be a figurative speech. I didn't know that it was a literal thing that happened. That he literally sweated blood. Right? And that's one thing that... It's another point why you should take your Bible seriously. Because for a long time, they didn't even know that was possible. And I say, when I say they, scientists, I mean scientists, didn't even know it was possible for human beings to sweat blood until it was discovered. And I'm going to show you. So 
there is a scientific condition called hematidrosis. Hema is for blood. Drosis is for sweating. Hematidrosis is a rare medical condition that in which people sweat blood. And they've studied and realized it usually happens in people when they are under extreme physical exhaustion or emotional stress, intense emotional stress. So scientifically, what happens if you've studied about the nervous system, the para, is it parasympathetic nervous system? Did I put that one here? Or the sympathetic nervous system. Have you said about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems? Oh, you studied the whole body, the just nervous system. Okay. So the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight mechanism. Right now, if a tiger appears here, what will you do? Will you, will you um, pause to start to think what to do? <laughs> you just act. <laughs> that is your sympathetic nervous system at work. It bypasses your thinking mechanism and just jumps straight to action. Do you know you can outrun? It is possible for you to outrun a lion. <laughs> when you are being chased by a lion and your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, <laughs> you can run faster. No, it's not, it's not possible, but it's possible. It's not possible, but it's possible. You yourself will be amazed. Oh, there was a story of a woman. There was a story of a woman that lifted a car. Did you hear that story? Yeah, this is, this is true. You know how come she lifted the car? Because, yeah, her child was stuck under the car. Do you think a mother will be able to lift a car? Wait till her child is stuck under the car. The sympathetic nervous system kicks in. You don't even think whether you can do this or you can't do it. Do you get it? It's God built it in us. It's, it's a safety mechanism by which you survive. Okay? Now, that's beside the point. The point here is when this hematidrosis, are you with me? Hematidrosis. When someone is under intense emotional stress, the sweat glands, the blood vessels, which is the capillary vessels that supply the sweat glands, it comes under intense blood pressure that it bursts. And so the sweat that is coming is mixed with blood and it comes out of the skin. And it's not because the skin cells are, uh, have a, a damage or anything. They, they examine, and I'll show you a, a, a picture. They examine those cells, they're perfectly normal. But it's just that when the person is under in, intense emotional stress and physical stress, are you with me, Courtney and Laurencia? Don't be distracted, okay? When the person is under intense emotional stress, they sweat blood. That's what happened with Jesus. When he says, he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating blood. Why am I telling you this? Events leading up to his crucifixion. 
you can already see, even before Jesus was whipped and, and crucified, he was already going through intense emotional stress. Remember when he told his disciples, come guys, come and pray with me, because my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto the point of death. It is not just words. You know, when you study this thing, I mean, for me personally, it's really affected my life. Because many times, it's so easy to read these things and treat it like just scripture stuff, you know. When you study the background, everything behind it, everything now makes sense. Wow. That's how come Jesus was, he said, I'm exceedingly sorrowful to the point of death. You know, you can be so sorrowful that it almost feels like you're already dead. That's how Jesus felt. Even before he was beaten, even before he was taking the cross, the guy was already on death path. To the point that when he was praying, he was sweating blood. Okay? That's hematidrosis. This, this is in 2017. Just October was published. And this is in Canada here. Woman's rare condition causes her to sweat blood. Doctors report. An Italian woman has a rare condition that causes her to sweat blood. On the left, an image of the woman's face during a bleeding episode. On the right, an image of the woman's skin under my microscope, which showed normal tissue. So the skin is perfectly normal. And why, under what conditions does this happen? You see the second paragraph. These bleeding, the last sentence, these bleeding episodes typically lasted about one to five minutes and were more intense when she was under emotional stress. So, doctors are now seeing this. How long ago was this written? Right? And, and Luke, who wrote it, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And he wrote, Jesus was sweating blood. Even before the cross. Let's move on. So, events leading up to the crucifixion, and we are looking at the crucifixion itself. So now let's look at what happened after Gethsemane. So Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. So be careful of kisses that are not genuine. Okay, some of them are betrayals. He <laughs> was betrayed with a kiss. And he was taken to trial. And Pilate said, let's whip him. Okay, I want us to look at the whip that they used to whip Jesus. Okay, now the whip is made of leather that has metal, so you see this silver stuff, it's metal balls on them, and on the metal balls they have sharp spikes attached to them, and so when the soldiers use it to whip, they, they have to use a lot of force so that the metal balls will hit the back. And then the spikes will pierce the skin. And they don't, they don't take it out like this. So they whip like this, it pierces, and then they drag it. Right? So the intent is to pull off your skin. That's how, that's how they whip. That's how come when usually they finished with the 39 lashes, sometimes the spine is visible. You can see the spine of a person's back. 
Okay? See, I'm telling you all this not because I'm trying to sort of scare you guys or anything, but I like to see truth for what it is. I don't like when we say, oh, Jesus died for me. I don't want to treat it lightly when it didn't happen lightly for him. Right? If he went through it to whatever extent he did, I want to understand that extent that he went through so I can have an appreciation for what he's done so that when I'm going through stuff because of him, I can endure it and say, look, Jesus went through worse for me. This is nothing. Right? If, even if it means I should die for him. So be it. Yes, Belinda. So when Jesus resurrected, were the scars from the whip still on him? Uh, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. What we know it says is that you'll see the, the hole in his hand and in his feet. Um, I don't know about his back. I'm sure when we see him, we'll, we'll look out for that. We'll look out for that. Okay, so, so, that's, so that's, the, that's, the, that's the whip, okay? Now, when they whip, it's not just the back that they whip. Because they strip you naked. In the movie, they have to make it nice, of course. They can't make him naked, right? So they, they try to put something around him. But he was naked. And so when they whip, it's not just the back. It's everywhere on your body, to the back of your legs, your butt, everywhere, everywhere, they whip. That's why, that's why I like the Passion of the Christ, the movie, because they really came close. So far, all the Jesus movies, the Passion of the Christ is the one that's really come close to what exactly happened. You see how he's whipped all over? And he's changed, he had changed to the post and whipped all over that he has sort of bruises all over his body. Now, yes. Emmanuel. Yes. Yes. Aha. That's why we're examining the evidence. When they say, oh, he didn't die, he just faked his death. Well, come and be on the post and let's whip you and see if you won't die. <laughs> Do you get it? Like, the guy goes through this. Even before this, we've seen. He was under intense emotional stress already, which already weakens you. Then he comes to this, he's whipped like this, and that's not all, right? So, like he said, most of the people that go through this whipping, they go through a state of shock because the body, there's only so much the human body can take, right? So, most of the flogging victims will go into a, stock or a state of shock because they lose so much blood. The heart raises. When you're losing blood, your heart pumps more because it's trying to supply more blood to the rest of your body. So because your heart keeps to pump and the blood is still not there, your blood pressure will drop. When your blood pressure drops, you faint and collapse. Okay, why is Princess laughing? And Courtney? What's funny? What's funny? Princess? <laughs> Princess? 
What's funny? Okay, so you talk to me after after service about that, okay? All right. Where was where was I, Vanessa? Where was I? Your your blood pressure drops and then you collapse. Your kidney stops producing urine to maintain the volume of fluid left in your body. The person becomes very thirsty as the body craves fluids to replace the lost blood volume. Does it sound like something that happened to Jesus? You see why he said, I'm thirsty? Because the kidney starts producing, because you're losing blood, so your body tries to stop getting rid of fluid to maintain your blood pressure. And when that happens, your and this all, if you guys study the nervous system, this is all reflexes in your, or relays in your nervous system, where now it sends information to your brain that you are thirsty. Because it's trying to say, I'm losing blood, you need more water to add to your blood volume. So it creates the thirst sensation so you can drink more water to supply and keep up your blood pressure. That's why he said, I thirst. Right? So Jesus was already on the path of shock from whatever has happened to him. He was, Jesus, remember, Jesus was a carpenter. So he was very muscular. So guys, if you want to do bodybuilding, I'm sure Jesus really... Um, had six pack and um, I should aim to get that too if I want to be like Jesus yeah. or doctor what do you think <laughs> yeah because Jesus was very well built that's how come he could carry the cross that cross if we were to put it on you you fall down it's heavy but Jesus was a very well built young man because he was a carpenter carpenters carry wood and all those stuff right Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good point. It talks. It's, sorry. It talks about that in the Bible. That. He said it's there. <laughs> no, that's right. That the the thing though with Jesus is because of his holiness, because of his purity. When you look at him, even, even prostitutes look at him and they have pure love for him. What? Right? Because the guy had just holiness in him, purity, genuineness. Right? There's not any sin in him. So even when sinners behold his beauty, which is what will happen to all of us when we see him, right? Perfect beauty. When we see him, we will not see him and admire his beauty in a negative sense. But it will be in the purest form of sense. Because God created beauty and he wants us to admire it. Amen. So, Jesus showed signs of at least two of these symptoms when he collapsed carrying the cross. Do you remember when Jesus was carrying the cross, he collapsed? Now think about it. After all this beating, he has to then carry the cross where? On those wounds. And walk up the mountain to Golgotha to be crucified. So it was so much he collapsed. That's how come they, they found a guy by the name of Simon to carry the cross and help him out. Because Jesus collapsed. Now, why am I saying all this? To highlight to all of us that when people say Jesus didn't die, they really don't 
know what they are talking about. They didn't really examine the evidence. Everything he went through, even before whatever happened on the cross happened, was enough to kill him. Okay, let's move on so we can um, wrap up. So when he said, I'm thirsty, it was a sign of him going through shock. Then, now, we talk of when he was being nailed to the cross. What's wrong? It was his wrist. And that's why I, I, I put it there. So, the nail, the nail was big. This one is even small. Oh, the one in the hand here is small. But the nail is big. I've, maybe next time I'll try and show you one of those nails. It's called a... They don't even call it a nail because a nail is small. It's big. To pierce into it. Now, now let's, let's, let's listen. Let's listen. Because, you see, most of the time when we think of him being nailed to the cross, we just think of it being something that was used to make him stay on the cross. Right? You're thinking that, yeah, he's nailed so he can stay on the cross. That's why they are nailing him to the cross. No, no, no. That's not why they nailed him to the cross. Not to, for him to stay on the cross. It was part of the punishment. It was part of the brutality, the torture. Have you, um, has anybody hit their elbow on a, and, and you felt the pain? Right. So that happens because there's a nerve there's a nerve that passes in between the bones here, okay? And when you hit your elbow there, that nerve is squished, and so you feel that pain. Now, when that nerve goes through over there and comes into your hand, okay, so it passes through your wrist. When they nail them, because the whole thing about the crucifixion is maximized to make you suffer. So they put the nail into that nerve, okay, in through your wrist. When they do that, if you want to have an idea how painful that is, think of you taking a plier onto that nerve on your elbow and just twisting it around, how you would feel. I mean, if you just hit it, you know how it feels. But think of pinching it with a plier and twisting it around, how you would feel. That is how it felt. Why, Vanessa, you don't want to listen? Anel? Anel? What? They put it, yes, and I'll tell you why. Even in the Passion of the Christ, if you see, they were putting it in his hand here. Because the Bible, <laughs> quiet guys, the Bible description says they nailed him in his hand, right? And we just take the hands to be, to be here. But in the Jewish um, language, the wrist is part of the hand, okay? So in studying how the Romans actually crucify their subjects, it's the wrist that they use. It cannot be the hand because the weight of the body will rip the hand apart. And so when they nail it into this, they actually, and if you study, I've studied human anatomy. I have 
dissected. Do you know what dissect means? Yeah. I have dissected human cadavers in the lab. Like dead human beings. No. Yes. Why? I've studied that. I've done... I, I know what's inside the human body. Okay, so I know what I'm talking about. The bones, there are two bones here, and the nerve passes through. And so when they put the, the nail here, are you listening, guys? Yeah. They, they position it so the nail can pass through the two bones. And it will go through the nerve. So, and it has to go through the nerve. They do that so that he will feel the pain. And that's why when you watch the Passion movie, you see that when the nail is going through, you would see Jesus screaming. Because, and, and that pain, it's out of this world. Have you heard of the word excruciating pain? Excruciating? Do you know where that... The pain that you, they feel when they are being nailed is beyond description so much that they had to create a new word for it. And that is the word excruciating. Excruciating literally means out of the cross. That's a new word that was created to describe the kind of pain that they feel when they are being nailed. And so they do that to his hand, and then they do that to his feet on the cross, and then they raise him up over there. Now, any question? Let's move on. So we're looking at the cause of his death. So at this point, this guy has gone through emotional stress, has been whipped, carried the cross, collapsed, nailed to the cross, raised, and is left to die. I didn't even talk about him being pierced in his side because he was also pierced in his side. But the question is, how did he really die? This is how the crucifixion thing works. It's intended to make you die slowly so that you will feel the pain to the maximum limit. Right? So when they nail you to the cross like that, it's a slow death by what? Asphyxiation, which is difficulty in breathing. You would have to raise yourself up to be able to inhale. When you raise yourself up, remember you're already nailed. So part of your stuff is ripping. And your feet, in raising yourself up, you're already feeling the pain in your feet. But you have to survive. So it's almost involuntary. You're trying to breathe. So in doing that, you're already feeling pain elsewhere. And as, after you've managed to exhale and you relax, you have to take in another breath. And that you go through the whole process of feeling the pain everywhere. When in trying to also pull up himself, remember his back is already ripped. And so against the wood, it sort of scratches it. And so with each breathing in, each breathing out, you are going through pain. And that happens until you die. And that's what Jesus went through. And that's why when we take communion, you know, that now, now I understand why Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and said, guys, take this communion to remember me. Because he knew what he was going to go through. He didn't want us to forget. Like, even right now. See, I'm just talking about it to you. Look at how you are feeling. Can you imagine going through it? 
But how many times do we actually spend to think about what Jesus did for us? Like we are, we are celebrating Easter. To many of us, it's just a holiday, right? We come to church, it's like just church stuff. How do you think he feels when he knows what he went through for us? I'm sharing this to you because me personally, it's, it's really impacted my life the more I study this thing. That I don't want to be like other Christians who don't understand what all this thing is about. I don't just want to be amongst the number who just come to church, just fill the pews, you know, Sundays, chest up. No, forget it. It's either I'm doing it for real or I'm not doing it at all. Like if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow him all the way, even if it means death, right? For somebody to go through this for me, of course he loves me. And I want to give everything that I can to at least show my love for him. Amen. So I talked about this. So that kind of pain will go on and on and on until the heart can't keep it anymore. And then you have a cardiac arrest. And then you die through lack of oxygen. And when this happened, when the soldier pierced him in his side, I didn't talk about this, but scientifically, the, the, there's a liquid or fluid that gathers around the heart. And when he was pierced, Bible says blood and water came out. That description in the Bible is a very accurate medical description because of everything that Jesus went through. His body was in that state where when the soldier pierced his side, his lung burst, his heart, the pericardial sac in which his heart lies, was filled with fluid. And so that fluid came out. So it says blood and water came out. It just tells you that Jesus died of cardiac arrest. Okay. So any medical doctor who knows his stuff, studies this, and you ask him, did Jesus really die? If they are being honest with you, they'll tell you there's no way any human being will survive what Jesus went through. He died. Do you get it? And which is why on Sunday, when we talk about the resurrection, the meaning of the resurrection now comes into a different picture for you. Because you understand what it really means for Jesus to rise from the dead. We'll talk about that on Sunday. What else do I have? Oh, I had the water and the blood there. Let's read it. What does it say? Combination of shock, a rapid heart rate, and heart failure result in a collection of clear watery fluid around the heart and lungs. An incision through the lung and heart would release that fluid as well as blood. The Apostle John described this medical phenomenon in his account of the crucifixion when he wrote that one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Okay? All right. I'm done. This is for... Um, after next week or after Sunday. Let's pray. Any question? Bow down your heads. Bow down your heads. Now, some of you are involved in the Heaven's Gate Hell's Flame. I want you to don't, don't treat it like um, some game or something. This is serious stuff. Like, just imagine every time we meet, like right now, Jesus is here. Every time we meet, Jesus is right there. And we are trying to replay that scene so people can come to Christ. Like, do it with your heart, with everything in you. Because Jesus is right there witnessing the whole thing. You want to 
something that was serious for him, like you're making a fun of it. No way. This is serious stuff, okay? So we're going to pray for yourself and pray for your friends who are not here that this thing about Jesus and God, I, I don't want to take it lightly. Help me to be serious with you, Jesus. Help me to not treat lightly what you have done for me. Let it transform my life. After this Easter, let me see you, Jesus, in a new way. Talk to him. Talk to him. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us, especially today as we remember that Friday on the cross. It's 12, and it was three hours on a Friday, just like it is now. You were hanging on the cross, and the Bible says it was dark for three hours when you screamed and said, My Father, my Father, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you screamed and gave up the ghost and died not because you did anything wrong but because you loved us because you loved us you knew there was no way we could come to God there was no way we could come to the Father if you didn't die help us not to treat this lightly help us to really value this salvation we have and to commit our whole life to it thank you Jesus for opening up our understanding into these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll show you a few things before we go. If you are interested, I just like to view these things so myself I don't forget. So I'll just go through the pictures quickly and then we'll share the grace and go, okay? the crown of thorns with all the blood I didn't even talk about that they push it into his into into his head right
Irina, you okay? <laughs> What's wrong? Um, Michaela, can you be with that? So you see how they are pushing the crown of thorns into his head? They won't use their hands. They will, they will. So this is the Lord's Supper before, before the whole thing happened, the night. So that was why last night, did you guys have the communion last night? Yeah. Right. That was why Pastor wanted us to have the communion because in reality, that was when it happened. Jesus had the communion with the disciples on the Thursday night. And then on the Friday dawn, he was arrested, which would have been this dawn. That was when he was arrested. So throughout this morning, up until 12, he was going through all that I was describing. And then at noon, he was nailed uh, on the cross. That was when for three hours, there was a total solar eclipse, total darkness, even though it was in the afternoon for three hours. And then it was after that, that he screamed and then he died. Okay? And that is why we celebrate Easter. I mean, I'll stop there. That is why we celebrate Easter. You know? And that is why the devil works so hard to try to give people Easter bunnies. So you don't think about the cross. So you don't think about Jesus. Right? And we forget. And we come to church day in, day out, and it's like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. I, what I don't want to happen is I go to heaven and then I see Jesus and I see his hands and his feet and all that he went through for me. And what do I have to say to him that I did for him? Like I was just faking it, coming to church. I wasn't really serious, just, it, just enough to get by and pass in people's minds that I'm a Christian. No, I also want to be a radical, uh, somebody who is crazy for Jesus to whatever extent that means, okay? Maybe I'm not normal or there's something wrong with me, but my prayer for all of you is that you'll take Jesus seriously, okay? Let's share that grace. Let's share that grace. Any question? Let's share that grace. Do you guys still like me? Yeah? Mara, you don't like me anymore. <laughs> Mara said no. <laughs> Princess, you still like me? You still have to tell me why you were laughing, though. All right, let's, pray. let's um, share the grace. Let's be on our feet as we share the grace. No worries. Mommy wants to use our washroom. Let's share the grace. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. He anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So tonight is Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. 
let's all be here if you haven't yet invited your friend please give them a call say there's a drama at my church let's come and if you are involved in the drama in any way do it with all your heart okay god bless you yeah,